0: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: On the last week of the year 2022, we are bringing you a final episode. Earth Ancient Special Edition, the archives. With an interview I did in 2016 with the host of Ancient Aliens, that's Giorgio Tsoukalos. This is kind of an eye-opener in many ways. We learn about his background and also his interest in the ancient alien hypothesis, his connection to Erich von Daniken, and the whole animal known as ancient aliens. This is a program, a recording I just discovered in our vaults. And it is a fun, entertaining, and enlightening program on this last week of 2022. Earth Ancients Special Edition, The Archives. Or Tuesday, December 27th, 2022. This is Earth Ancients Special Edition, The Archives. I'm your host, Cliff Dunning. How are you this is the last earth ancient special edition the archives for 2022 and i got a good one it's also fun for me to listen to this uh, interview that was uh recorded april 16th 2016 and this is with giorgio sukulos who is the host the main figurehead on ancient aliens and uh it was recorded It was a rare recording he just doesn't do recordings because there's too many questions uh uh, about the show, and uh, he has now he is now working with a production company that tours the United States and parts of Europe with the other co-hosts, David uh, Hatcher Childress, uh, and and the other figures who show up, uh, Richard Dolan, who in my opinion is really the UFO expert on the scene right now. And if you can get a if you can watch Dolan or listen to Dolan, I think he's got some good material and really comes down hard on uh, uh, space force and NASA for their inability to to be transparent and actually tell it like it is, which is that uh, aliens are here, are orbiting our planet, and I don't know his take on ancient aliens but uh he's one that's really solid i believe the other characters are not not necessarily bad but they just don't have this, the the re- background the research that dolan has uh i don't watch ancient aliens i i watch it part time but my feeling is that there's too much emphasis on ancient aliens less emphasis less emphasis on Sophisticated humans, and and this in this interview, I wanted to know about Giorgio, who, what his background is. We'll learn, uh, or we learn about his connections to Van Dannegan, Eric Van Danigen. Uh We learn about his own personal history, his what influenced him. And I mean, this is this is a, a long enough ago that my ideas were still formulated. Uh, and I'm firmly entrenched in the fact or my belief that the these unusual uh, remains from very sophisticated cultures are from a unknown civilization. Uh, I don't use the word Atlantis back then, but you can hear me referencing people like Chris Dunn, John Burke, Graham Hancock, and others who feel the same way that I do, that there was a epic. It's a now a lost epic of advanced earth humans who built the Great Pyramid, who built uh, these temples throughout Egypt, who were instrumental in building Teotihuacan in Mexico, Pumapuku in Bolivia, South America. I mean, it's... Uh, in, in our life in my lifetime, at least, uh, I fully expect for data to come through that there was uh, or there is evidence for a civilization that is lost to us and these relics are from them. Um, I'm, I'm very respectful of Giorgio's p- uh, perspective and I also, you know, and I mentioned this in this interview that I am also strongly influenced by my mentor, my Maya mentor, who believed that there were Ancestors who came from other planetary systems. Now, I don't believe that they influenced us to the degree that ancient aliens did. And when I speak of ancient aliens, I should also throw in Zachariah Sitchin. And I knew Zach, uh, Mr. Sitchin, (laughs) quite well, having worked with him, having featured him in a number of conferences uh, throughout the Americas over the years. And I was impressed by his knowledge, and a lot of it is solid. But the, to, to believe that the Anunnaki bred humans and bred and created Homo sapiens sapiens, this doesn't work for me. I just don't feel that's a possibility. Um, but you know, it's 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 another theory, and his material is still you know very very well received and and. And there's a whole group that believes that the Anunnaki are our ancestors on some level. So, and we I continue to have people on the show that speak on the Anunnaki, and, and in, in the new year 2023, we'll have some some new faces that are emerging that uh, support Sitchin and support the ancient alien uh, hypothesis as it's known. It, it's fun. Ancient aliens is great fun. And this goes to my whole feeling, uh, and when we look at the work of uh, A.V. Loeb, Dr. Loeb at Harvard, uh, who believes that probes are being sent to uh, Earth. In fact, if you didn't catch his show a few months ago, he is currently in the Pacific Ocean, or it's going to be in the Pacific Ocean, dredging Southeast Asia waters uh, for remains of what he believes was a probe that burned up in our atmosphere. So that kind of scientific material is is very cool. So my whole thing is I want these guys, these, these UFOs, these uh, uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon to come forth and, and step out of their vehicles and go, hey, we're from Planet X, and we'd like to say hello. And by the way, you're part of this uh, consortium of planets, that would be wonderful. I I still hope that that happens. But that's more present time. Ancient Aliens basically goes after ruins, artifacts, and other data and claims that it's all from Ancient Aliens. And that's where I, I kind of have a problem. I draw the line there. I mean, some of you believe that I'm a little bit uh, (laughs) uh, two-faced in my uh, uh, assumptions about ancient aliens, but I do my very, very best to have qualified scientists, research investigators, and authors on this program who make a case for advanced humans. And uh, I mean, it's it's really my, it's, it's in my gut it's in my in my belief. And not that, again, not that ancient aliens were not on the planet, not that aliens were not interacting with um, with early uh, Earthlings. I believe that's a possibility. I believe that's probable. And the more we get, and, and, and my whole thing, my foundation is the Maya. And the more we discover, the more that scientists unveil the, uh, inner workings of the Maya, their their science, their cosmology. It really looks like at the oldest ruins that we have discovered, and I'm speaking of Tikal, Palenque, Chichen Itza, and other ruins. They were aligned with constellations with with the. They were kind of the cities were aligned with uh, uh, with star constellations with star groups with. With clusters of, of stars in our cosmos. And it's looking more like they understood a subtle energy that by connecting with those star systems, we were able, they were able to kind of have a, a link to their ancestors. We are so behind in understanding this because our, our uh, uh, historians. Fail to look at subtle energy. Fail to look at really the bulk of these civilizations, and I'm talking about the Maya. But we can say the same thing about the Sumerians. We can say the same thing about the cosmology behind the uh, pre-dynastic Egyptians and the dynastic Egyptians, and other and in, in the Chinese. And and so when we use that as kind of a guide. At some point, we have to cross over and say, yeah, there is data that doesn't make sense to us. But if we look at it from a off-world point of view, an alien point of view, perhaps it does. So this program today is, is fun for me because it kind of clarifies the appeal of ancient aliens. And by the way, uh, Giorgio mentions in the interview that it's – and this is, what, uh, 2016 – that's six years ago, uh, Ancient Aliens was in its sixth. Uh, excuse me, it was in its eleventh season, and it's it was it's wildly popular, and, and it continues to be popular. But I think that we have to appreciate our ancestors a little more, and this is what Earth Ancients is all about: appreciating our Earth history. Now. Graham's getting a lot of guff right now uh, for his Netflix series *Ancient Apocalypse* because we're getting back to this uh, <laughs> problem of where's the evidence, or where, uh, or where are the pot sh- uh, shards? Well, I think they're there, and I think they're available in these ruins. We're just overlooking them. We're misdating them. We're misidentifying ancient ruins, and I go back not only to the Maya. But I go back to Egypt, if you look at some of these temples, and I think there's a real problem in archaeology with identifying and not really digging enough. And when I say identifying, identifying the most recent pharaohs, the most recent kings and queens, and forgetting that the Egyptians, the Chinese, the the Maya... Uh, sanctified their ancestors by building on top of their temples and pyramids and other buildings. This is so prevalent, and it's such a lost history that we're not getting from our historians. Uh, and, and in Egypt, they flat out refuse to use ground penetrating radar. They refuse to use the latest technology, and when they do... They kick, scream, and <laughs> cry foul when data is reported. And this is what we're finding with this Sky uh, Scan Pyramid team that scanned the Great Pyramid and found anomalous hallways, found huge voids in the upper part of the Great Chia, uh, Cheops Pyramid. And they're not moving forward with identifying what this is all about because they don't want to let the cat out of the bag. I don't know. I have I have a real issue with uh, with the uh, antiquities department of Egypt because they're just locked in chaos. They're locked in politics. They're locked in huge corruption. Uh, but I, I don't want to get drilled down in too much of that because I go every year. <laughs> I don't want to find myself in a pro- with a problem. So, anyhow, today's program with Giorgio Sakoulas. Uh, is is fun. It's refreshing to hear uh, the, uh, uh, the background behind ancient aliens. And I'm respectful for the most part. Uh, I do you can do you can hear him get a little uh, defensive when I, I, I question uh, some of the thinking behind ancient aliens. And it's a good program. It has a lot of merit. I think it's ahead of itself on on some levels. I just wish it wasn't such a big tent circus production. That's, that's my whole thing. And uh, it doesn't give us what we need, which is... I mean, if they had A.V. Loeb on the program, he probably wouldn't do it anyhow. If they had A.V. Loeb, some of the current researchers that are being transparent about uh, the current wave of UAPs, UFOs, and the Moa Moa question that aV Loeb found which was this probe that came through our cosmos and then left but was tracked by our satellite array the resistance that that uh, AV received uh, based on his his thinking and and the propulsion and the uh, uh, attributes of this uh, probe that entered and left our cosmos I think we would I think ancient aliens would would actually be more valid. So, otherwise, it's it's kind of a big tent scenario, and uh, that's I think that's always the way it's going to be. So, today's program is the ancient alien question, and my guest is Giorgio Tsoukalos.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh. <sighs> Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Today's interview with uh, Giorgio Soquelos was recorded a few days ago, and I had a lot of fun with uh, Giorgio simply because he believes ardently that <laughs> ancient uh, aliens have come and basically bond our civilizations. So this is a pretty thorough interview. We have a lot to agree on in this um, interview uh, conversation, I'm going to say. I had a lot of fun with him. I was amazed to discover that the show is in its eleventh season. Eleven years they've been uh, promoting it, and if you do watch Ancient Aliens, I think you'll find this a fun interview. So here it is, and uh, I'll come back at the um, at the end. We, we've talked with a number of people who are influenced, who who write about ancient aliens, who report about them. We, we've had Mike Barrow on the show. We've had uh, Jason Martell. David Hatcher Childress has spoken a number of times. But the phenomenon known as ancient aliens has just grown tremendously. And it has more than a million people uh, watching each week. And the show is just it just blossomed. And I'm really, really fortunate and happy to have... Giorgio Sokalos, on the show today, and he is the host. He is the host of the program, and he's a consulting producer. I want to just tell you a little bit about him. I have known about Giorgio for a while. He is the he also publishes Legendary Times Magazine, and he is... I, I'm We're going to ask him about this in a second, but I would say he is a disciple of Eric McDonaghan and his work. I didn't know this, but for 14 years, he was affiliated with uh, Eric Von Donegan and his Ancient Alien Society. But as you listeners know, we're always interested in information. We're always interested in the latest research. A lot of the people that we have on our show are, are cutting edge, and it just makes sense to have Georgie on the program. So, Georgia, welcome to Earth uh, Ancients. How are you today?
3: Very well. Thank you for having me. This is great. very
2: exciting. <laughs> it's great to have you with us. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I, I want to go over a few points I, uh, in your personal history. You you've been affiliated with Eric Von Donegan for a number of years. Have you? Would you say that you've that you've always been kind of a proponent of of the the theories of uh, Eric Von Donegan, or was it more that you supported his work and you had your own kind of insights into an influence from off-world people.
3: Eric Von Daniken most certainly has been my inspiration for everything that I do today. There's no doubt in my mind about that. However, I am not in, in any way, shape, or form his disciple because being a disciple implies that uh, Eric would be a type of savior uh, and it's, it has his religious connotation. So oh, okay. um, in,
2: yeah, in
3: any way or, or so, uh, you know, I, he's, he was or is my mentor and above anything else, well, one of the closest and dearest friends I've known. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I, when I grew up, it, it, it just so happened that the first inspiration for all these topics actually came through my grandmother. And so whenever my grandma would visit from Austria, these ideas of extraterrestrial life and past civilizations and Atlantis and things like that—they would become uh, dinner table conversations in our household. So I was exposed to these ideas at a very young age, and then I remember um, buying a book for, uh, by Eric for my for my dad for his birthday, and uh, my dad looked at it, uh, read it, and said, "Oh, it's very interesting." And I to. Took the book myself, and I read the thing, I think it was on a Sunday afternoon, from, 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 from the first to the last page in one sitting. And I was done for, because uh, yeah. it was one of the most compelling things I had, had ever read. And, you know, it was when I was 15, 14, that I consciously began to put two and two together.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was just looking at um, the date that Chariots of the God came out. It came out in 1968, and um, I think I still have in my in my um, uh, bookshelf a copy of that book because I, I scribbled in it, and I was I felt the same way. I was totally flabbergasted. I was like, "This is amazing." I, I think there's a sense of, of of what Eric was trying to convey in that book over 48 years ago of of some kind of an influence. Do, do you think uh, since that time? Obviously, you've been doing the Ancient Alien series. Do you think? There's, there's a lot of evolution in the 48 years since that book came out that uh, there's more evidence for alien contact. Ancient. Alien Absolutely. Alien that is. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and, and here's the crazy thing that, you know, with all these new discoveries that we are now making in science, a lot of the things that Eric talked about are are, corro- are being corroborated. I mean, all these new discoveries that we are making in the fields of genetics, you know, of artificial mutation of genes and things like that, this is all stuff that Eric talked about in in the 60s and 70s, and they turn out that, you know, not many of these things that he theorized about were not necessarily science fiction, but science fact. And there are so many things that are, we are now, uh, you know, almost on a weekly basis, that are discovering in astronomy. For example, with the gravitational waves and this new uh, additional planet that allegedly is in this huge orbit around our sun, you know, things that the Sumerians talked about, you know, thousands of years ago, all these things are being corroborated with modern science. So, has it been a, a slow process? Absolutely. But has the ancient astronaut theory? In any way, shape, or form, lost its appeal or its strength in evidence. No, on the contrary, it has gotten only stronger.
2: Yeah, it's true. You you have a, 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 and By the way, is Ancient Aliens in its tenth year coming up, or what? What is the story with that? There was some confusion about it being um, uh, restarted, or is it still going to happen? What do we know about the, the following season on on the on the program?
3: Yeah, no, we are now actually going into, I think it's season 11 or something like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've lost count of the seasons because sometimes the <laughs> network, they count seasons differently than, than the production company does. All I can tell you is that we are well over 100 episodes. And I think we are with uh, the, the, the episodes that we are filming right now, we are... I think, at at 110 or 112 episodes. So uh, very exciting. And, you know, the other great thing or cool thing is that uh, Ancient Aliens is back on the History Channel. And uh, Mm. the the new episodes will premiere sometime uh, this coming May.
2: Fantastic. You know, I have to ask you, I know you, you are close with Eric. Did he ever tell you what influenced him? Because I don't think I've ever found any, any writings about what was a trigger point for him if he was on sure. an exploration or, or what. But it'd be really interesting to know what he was, uh, what was his influence.
3: Absolutely. And he's actually been quite uh, vocal about how this interest for these ideas came about uh, or how he got exposed to them. And that is mm-hmm. when he was a young boy. He was sent to a Jesuit boarding school in Switzerland, in the, in the French-speaking part of Switzerland, in Fribourg, and that that boarding school, which was led by Jesuit priests, um, you know, he had to go or he was made to study ancient Greek and Latin. And so they uh, many of their homework assignments um, consisted of having to translate Bible passages from, from, mm-hmm. the, from the Latin into Greek and the Greek into Latin, vice versa, into German, or actually into French and things like that. And Eric says that during these translations... Uh, doubt came up in his young mind, where he would read these passages about, you know, a an allegedly all benevolent, all knowing God making mistakes or, you know, not knowing what the outcome would be. And as a as a young kid, he would be he would be asking himself, well. What kind of a God is this that, that, that wouldn't know the outcome or they would have to wait to see what would happen? Well, if God is all-knowing and all-powerful and things like that, it shouldn't matter. So the idea then came to his mind, or the question then um, in his mind was, well, if this is not necessarily God, then who else or what could it have been? And, and here is something very important that... To this day, and this is very important to all of our listeners, to this day, Eric says that he is a a believer in God, in an all-encompassing force in the universe, this this Mm -hmm. harmonics field that we all belong to. However, the God, or whatever is described in the Bible, wasn't necessarily that harmonics force, this field, but it was a flesh and blood extraterrestrial whom our ancestors missed mistakenly identified as god or as Mm -hmm. gods and that was just (laughs) you know it was a mistake
2: (laughs) so much of our history is influenced by unknown figures like that and i think a a lot and i that's just my opinion that ancient aliens kind of has that as a focus which is supreme beings of advanced scientific knowledge who came down and because they were so far in advance of earthlings or whoever was on the planet at that time, that they were considered gods. And uh, th- that, that whole premise works quite a bit uh, for, for the program, but I'm just, I'm just curious, would you say that's the foundation, is these advanced beings uh, coming down and basically enlightening us here?
3: Yes, because that is the basic premise of the ancient astronaut theory, that at some point the the ancient astronaut theory tries to prove whether or not Intelligent extraterrestrials, flesh and blood, physical beings visited Earth in the remote past. And in doing so, when they were here in the remote past, they encountered that one of our human ancestors had potential. And so w- through an artificial mutation of our genes they essentially created or gave us intelligence. And uh, so the idea is that we, we are, in a, in a way, their creation – through this genetic mutation of our genes, even though there is a clear fossil record. But mm-hmm. even geneticists and Darwin himself said that, you know, the, the theory of evolution is, is fantastic. I like it, but there's something missing. And that is why today we are all talking about this missing link. Something doesn't make sense. The equation The equation does not uh, it, the, the equation doesn't solve itself. So what 's the missing link The missing link for some have proposed is a coincidence or something like that, and some have proposed oh it 's uh, God you know an intelligent designer creationism. Um, but you know, either you know, neither side, in my opinion, uh, in, in holds that truth. Because what if it, what if it's the middle? What if it if it is a genetic mutation of our genes, but it wasn't God? It happened in a lab with extraterrestrials, uh, you know, who wanted to essentially colonize or allow this this planet to be colonized.
2: Okay, so, so that you know, fits, it's, that it's, fits w- into the yeah, that fits into the Sitchin theory then, like the Anunnaki. Right.
3: Well, the Sitchin right. theory uh, suggested that we were created as a, as a species or, or, or as a race, uh, uh, a slave race, that we were built or made so right. that we would mine the gold for uh, you know, the Anunnaki. And right. while that may have been the case, I personally disagree with that notion because mm-hmm. this whole idea that we were created in the first place as slaves, I highly, highly um, find that a very unattractive thought
2: <laughs> yeah I know it is kind of funny to think that we uh, were, were created to, to be mining uh, stuff um, I know for a fact uh, in my visits with the Mayan elders that they have a whole history of star people influence and mm-hmm. sort of the Zuni, sort of the Hopi. Uh, we've had Clifford Mahody on our show. I think he was on Ancient Aliens one time, also talking about Star People. But I have to ask you this: Wouldn't it be important for an advanced civilization, thousands and of years of, uh, in advance of our own culture, to have—and uh, this is shades of Star Trek—kind of a prime directive not to over you know, influence uh, a society that's developing on its own. Wouldn't it make sense? I mean, it's kind of funny that Gene Roanbury came up with that prime directive, but it kind of makes sense if you're a 1,000 or 2,000 years advance of a simple people living on the planet, kind of focused on the Earth. What, what do you think about that idea?
3: Well, here's the thing, and I'm so glad you bring this up because this all ties into the whole idea of the cargo cult phenomenon. And, you know, Gene Roddenberry uh, certainly was a visionary with the whole idea of the Prime Directive, but I think that the Prime Directive only applies to or should only apply to civilizations that are as advanced, technologically speaking, as we are today, because Mm -hmm. in a certain way we are right now at this bizarre crossroads where if they were to show themselves publicly, the ETs that is, yeah. Right at this moment, I'm not sure how it would go, whether, you know, there would be mass panic or or not. So I'm, I'm unsure how to answer or, or how to, you know, observe that question. But, yeah. you know, th- th- this whole idea, um, you know, of... Uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Where would somebody just yeah, walked the in? The
2: prime directive were, and, and what the influence would be. Oh, yeah, the, be. The, the prime yeah. directive.
3: See, yeah. I think that... While the Prime Directive is a wonderful philosophical idea, let's just imagine for a moment if we as a human species, a thousand years or two thousand years in the future, arrive at a distant planet and we see that this distant planet uh, hosts some type of intelligent uh, life, but that intelligent life is not yet advanced uh, technologically speaking. What will we do? Will we just stand back? and watch them from afar, sure, maybe for, mm-hmm. for, a, for a couple of months or for, for a little while, but then we'll make the conscious decision to help these people, to, help, to guide them in, 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 in a technological direction, to teach them a few things in astronomy, mm-hmm. in agriculture, engineering, all those different things, know, perfectly knowing that in the far and distant future of that planet, we humans that have... One that have arrived at that planet will become ancient astronauts in their mythologies. Mm-hmm. So that is the idea of this whole, uh, you know, why, why this uh, prime directive won't work in the sense uh, mm. of Gene Roddenberry, because I think that especially if, you, if there's a primitive society that has potential and you can descend from the stars in order to help that society, I mean, that's, that's beautiful. It's amazing. It's actually helping another planet to go and to walk into the future. So, mm-hmm. you know, this whole prime directive thing, I always say, and I mention it a lot in my lectures, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a great idea for, for science fiction, but not for reality.
2: Well, that leads me to my next question. You know, uh, Ancient Aliens uh, films in different parts of the world, and, and the production quality is very good. And I mean, the, some of the panoramic shots and the, and the uh, shots of the, of the ruins and things like that are just amazing. But, you know, you go to Egypt, you go to Lebanon, and in each of those places are very ancient cultures, the ancient Egyptians and the people who built Balbok, and and the gigantic remains of stonework and and handiwork that are just mind-blowing. We can't really figure it out. But I guess I want to consider it Earth humans that did this. And and the reason I bring this up is we now know that there was an event approximately 10,000 years ago known as the Younger Dryas event, which are catastrophic, Earth-changing events where we were hit with multiple asteroids which caused, you know, heating of the planet, uh, tsunamis, uh, basically we think wiped wiping the planet clean of any humanoid or animal life. But before that event, there's speculation by people like Graham Hancock and a number of authors uh, out there that there were civilized people and we don't know to the level of civilization they were at, but there's a good opportunity, good chance that they were very highly, highly advanced. And, To say that these megaliths, especially at Bellbach, I mean, one of those gigantic stones that's still in place that hasn't been cut up free is about 800 or 1,000 tons. Right. And, you know, it's like... And and this is the other thing, Giorgio. There's there's researchers out there. There's a guy who passed away. His name was John Burt. And he discovered that these ancient people used electromagnetic fields to... uh, pass and, and amplify through pyramidal structures and we know this through uh uh to call we know it through various american sites i think he even went to the great pyramid in in uh, giza and did some analysis so it's like a missing link with technology and i think you know it's cool to say hey maybe these were aliens but it's even cooler to think there was a branch of humanoids that actually may have used this technology don't you don't you have a feeling for that?
3: Well, first of all, I personally have never said, not once, that the ancient monuments were built by aliens. That's the meme, not me. I, I certainly have never said nor suggested that uh, the pyramids at Giza or uh, you know, the, the, the Colosseum in Rome and things like that, that that was built by aliens. They, they weren't. These were all built by human beings under the tutelage of, of extraterrestrial visitors and mm-hmm. the reason why I am suggesting that this happened that the engineering knowledge was given to our ancestors is because of those stories in mythologies that we can read about the guardians of the sky or the watchers or the, the, the people that were, were dwelling up in the clouds leading humankind into mm-hmm. into the future so this is the idea that – and by the way, I love, love the idea uh, that Robert Boval and Graham Hancock, whom I consider colleagues, by the way, um, that, that those theories that they have proposed because – they, these, these theories do not at all negate uh, the extraterrestrial question, because mm-hmm. if, let's say, there was a high culture 12,500 BC uh, during the golden age of the ancient Egyptians... They still talk about the gods descending in these in these winged in, in these winged discs from the sky. So whether uh, the extraterrestrials were here uh, five thousand years ago or twelve thousand years ago, I don't care. All I care about is that they you know to, is to figure out if they were here. And in my opinion, they were. And this also, by the way, uh, delves into the whole question that I'm sometimes asked, that I'm sometimes asked, well, do you think that th- th- these visitors were just us from the future, that we went back there to save us or something like this? <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, you know, thank you for, for laughing, because see, the thing is that in all of my studies of, of the ancient texts, I have yet to come across a passage that says we are you from the future. Now, if somebody mm-hmm. can find me that passage then, you know, I'll gladly concede and say, all right, it could be time travel. But that is the mm-hmm. only reason why I'm standing back from that, because I know what I've read about what the what our ancestors told uh, or said about those beings descending from the sky. They never mm-hmm. said that we're you from the future. They always said, you know, we're from out there.
2: That's funny that you mentioned that, because I... I haven't run across any of, that, any of that, but I imagine that you on your tour schedule and your lectures get every possible conceived idea about the future, the aliens, influences. Oh, my
3: gosh. Like are you stuff. kidding me? It's very stimulating. I love it. I enjoy listening <laughs> to all the different opinions. It, uh, it, it it keeps my day very entertaining, let me tell you.
2: I, I would think so. I think you, you have a, a charmed life, uh, Giorgio. Uh, I want to ask you of all the places that ancient alien goes to uh, the series what would you say are the best examples of a, of a city that is uh, heavily influenced by an alien intervention I mean uh, I mean do we do we know do you have like uh, I, I keep thinking pumapuku because of just the the magnificent carving and we and, and I'm sure you've heard of the work I read the work of Christopher Dunn, who went up there, who's an engineer, and actually did an analysis of these, uh, of these stones. And for many, many years, they thought they were poured concrete. And they're actually anisite, which is extremely hard rock that's been carved. So, but I'm just curious, what, what is uh, a best-case example of a, of a city that you think is, is an influence from direct alien intervention?
3: yes no you uh, you you hit the nail on the head. Uh, no question. Pumapunku is the place, and uh, that 's a site in bolivia it 's part of a larger site known as uh, Tiwanaku and it 's right. in the high in the Andean plateau so we 're at an altitude of about twelve thousand five hundred feet. Uh, the air is rarefied. Uh, it can get very hot in the summer and very cold uh, uh, in the winter and you know hot during the day and cold at night. It's very arid. And up there, like you mentioned, um, is this bizarre place. Uh, where many of the blocks there consist of andesite and they are so perfectly cut that one has to wonder how it was done and also how some of these blocks were transported because, look, the great majority of the blocks up there are in fact red sandstone and you can tell it's the, it's the sandstone pieces because you can see their deep burgundy coloration which indicates it's um, the sandstone. However, speckled throughout these red pieces are uh, pieces that look black or, or rather gray and that gray is uh, like you said andesite and that is igneous rocks it's one of the hardest rocks you can, you can ever imagine how, uh, to, to be cut because yeah. here's the thing I am not interested in, uh, I'm not questioning, I'm not, I have to repeat this all the time, I am not questioning that our ancestors didn't know how to cut ancient uh, stones in ancient times. Of course they knew how to cut uh, uh, rocks in ancient times. For example, in Greece at Mycenae, there's a wonderful... Uh, corner uh, of an entrance at the at the treasury chamber of Atreus. At the bottom, you can see that there was a there was a column there, but the bottom they, they cut cut off, uh, sort of squared. And right there, you see exactly where the blade went through. Uh, whether it was a, a, a blade or whether it was some type of a, a wire saw, I don't know. But you can clearly see the cut. Now, why do I, Why am I not? as impressed with that cut as for example something at Pumapunku because at Mycenae all we have is sandstone and very porous uh, you know coral rock and things like that so right, even yeah. if you went with your little finger, with a with nail of your little finger you could, you could scratch something off. But that is impossible with andesite. So if you want to believe that these andesite blocks were cut with the few uh, copper tools that were found at Pumapunku, that's fine. Believe whatever the heck you want. But you cannot cut physically. It's impossible to cut andesite with copper tools or, as some have suggested, chicken bones. So, you know, and that does not even answer the question of transportation because even if we have, and because there is a 65 andesite block that's just a massive platform, but there are even bigger platforms that are up there that are made of the red sandstone. And remember, like I said, sandstone is easier, easier to cut, but Mm -hmm. how was a 120 ton block platform moved? in and around Pumapunku because there never were there were never were any trees with that could have been cut down so the tree logs could have been used as wooden rollers because Pumapunku is situated above the natural tree line so we have mm-hmm. all we have at Pumapunku are giant question marks Because, you know, was a 120-ton block dragged uh, across, um, what, how? So, see, my colleague David Childress always says, and you've had him on your program, the reason why there are that many ancient, gigantic blocks is because at some point, the engineering process for creating something like that had to have been easy. Otherwise, it would have never been done. Never. Oh, that's a good so, point. Yeah. So then, you know, so you really, you you got to scratch your head.
2: <laughs> totally, yeah. And the funny thing about that place is that uh, the early engineer author, uh, Posnansky, dated that site to 17,000 years old. And then yes. he was pretty much, uh, they say that they didn't believe it. He basically used... Uh, the alignments to uh, the cosmos um, uh, to, to, to calculate that number. But later on, they say, no, that's it's closer to a th- couple thousand years old. But the problem with current archaeology is they don't dig far enough down. And uh, I believe he did actually dig pretty far down and found um, evidence to a much, much earlier date. So uh, who knows how old that place is? But it is, it is fascinating.
3: Well, Oh, no doubt. What's really cool right now is that, you know, with all the uh, the um, new technologies that we now have, uh Pumapunku uh, is experiencing a renaissance in discoveries because they they with ground penetrating radar, they've recently discovered an entire new complex that's underneath the uh, the dirt there. I've been to Pumapunku quite a few times and um, you know, Uh, Every time I go back, uh, there are new excavations, new holes in the ground, and and sometimes you can look deep into the ground and you see uh, megaliths at the bottom. So something happened there because... No megaliths are buried, you know, 10, 20 feet underground unless something happened. And some have proposed that uh, it may have been some type of a cataclysm because the evidence also shows that um, in the entire area there, uh, there, they found a lot of fossilized uh, or or, um, uh, old and and dead uh, remnants of fish And, um, Mm. muscles and shells from the ocean. And, and that, I mean, that's wild because the ocean is far away from that area. So, is it possible, like what Velikowski suggested back in the day, that there was a, a tilt shift of the Earth's axis and things like that? So, these are all gigantic questions. And, you know, I always wonder since when has asking questions become a crime?
1: We're going to take a short commercial break and we will be right back with Giorgio Soculos from Ancient Aliens. We'll be right back.
0: I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In April of 2016,
1: I interviewed Giorgio Sacoulos from the... TV program, Ancient Aliens, and wanted to know more about his background and that of his co-hosts as, and the producers of Ancient Aliens. And uh, this interview kind of gives us some insight into that, that
2: program. You know, this is what's so bothersome for me is that he's, uh, a number of scientists, uh, a number of engineers who are... Making uh, hypotheses, and, and in some cases, they believe in facts of uh, uh, crust displacement and and uh, earth shifting and tilting, and yet they're they're uh, put down by current science because they, it's just too far fetched for them. But I mean, we don't really have records ten thousand plus years ago, so why 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 is modern science so against? The idea of ancient, sophisticated societies that are as advanced as we are today, except perhaps the fact that they use more naturally occurring magnetic fields for their energy generation. Do you, do you have any? Feeling because on I that?
3: think that well, because I think that we inherently, as a society, we are egotistical. Uh, hmm. Don't we always uh, laugh at previous? I mean, let's just say, just just civilization or, or, or society uh, from, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, oh, yeah, the 70s, yeah. wasn't that quaint, wasn't that funny, or the 60s, haha, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Not nudge, right. nudge, so things like that, you know, so yeah. I guess, you know, the reason why is because Eric always always uh, says that it doesn't matter whether you are of the religious conviction or of of a scientific conviction. In both cases, at the end, we're both uh, both camps or both sides are what he refers to as navel gazers. They still look at their navel or we all look at our navels quite pleased with ourselves that in the end, after everything is said and done, we are the crown of creation. We're the ultimate. We're there's nothing better than us in the universe. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is what some sociologists and futurologists uh, actually have been uh, theorizing or philosophizing about, you know, the impact of an actual extraterrestrial visit. What would happen? And this German futurologist by, a ni- by the name of Dr. Michael Schetze, he wrote that we have to ask ourselves some very, very simple questions, and that is, how do we all react if and when uh, we, we, we're involved in a home invasion, you know, if somebody all of a sudden, uninvited, stands in your living room, um, well, I don't think anyone takes lightly to that situation. So that yeah. is why it's this big question, too, and the extraterrestrials know this. They have to, um, they're aware that uh, what would happen or what could happen. Uh, if yeah. if they were to show themselves, see, and the other question I'm, I'm always asked is, like for example, when that oil spill happened in the in the Gulf of Mexico, there, um, I was asked, well, how come the aliens don't swoop down and and stuff the hole? And the answer is very simple because we put the hole there. We are the one, yeah. we're the problem, you know. So this, this 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 attitude that you know, oh, we'll just have to sit back and let the aliens take care of it. I mean, how egotistical and and arrogant is such thinking in the first place? That's why yeah. probably they don't want to have anything to do with us anyway because we're all such spoiled people. It's not even funny.
2: It's it's interesting you say that, but th- wasn't there a uh... A study done. The Browning Institute did a study in the late '60s that if uh, aliens did come down, it would uh, people would freak out, religions would be questioned, and uh, and uh, our our existence would be. I mean, people would be jumping out of windows and things like that. I think that's
3: yeah, that's and, our government. And, you know, I, I yeah. Right, and, and I, I know I'm, I know the studies that you 're referring to because that 's exactly right. Uh, these predictions were made, and I think that you know this is why uh, we have the disclosure project that 's going on right now, and the disclosure project you know i 'm often asked, so when do you think disclosure is coming? when do you think when do you think? Well, you know, in my opinion, disclosure won 't be or isn 't going to be. A, uh, a, a press conference, you know, some, some people in suits uh, and then it's being broadcast by CNN. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> brought, uh, d- disclosure, if anything, we're in it. It's happening right now because all those different TV shows like Ancient Aliens or different uh, uh, Hollywood movies and things like that, they're all about ETs. And, yeah. you know, uh, uh, I mean, th- does it really have to be um, spelled out that that is a way with which to prepare the masses and I think that uh, it's a wonderful way with which to ease the the fear of the unknown because that's the other thing to me you know this whole, because I'm always asked, oh, so do you think they're going to come and destroy us? I had no way because if that, if that would be the case I think that that may have already, that could have that it would have already happened had they wanted to destroy us, and yeah. to wait until now with all of our nuclear capabilities, you know. So I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about us in the first place. What we will do? That
2: yeah. Well, they may know that our we have a we have a tendency to to go to the extreme, and if they came down, they might somebody might press the nuclear button, and who knows what would happen? So. But I, I, I honestly have been in, interested in the whole alien question for, for decades. And um, it does become a frustration uh, with all the research we have. And it's funny because in America, it's, they're not as widely seen or, uh, or reported. And it might be editing on the part of government and news media as much as Mexico. And people like Jaime Masson, who I'm, I know you're familiar with, Reports on these amazing um, ships and crafts that are, are passing uh, across the air, coming out of uh, the sea, and things like that, and and it's it's documented, and it's just mind blowing. So you you know these these guys are around. They're just not stepping out and going. Here we are. Let's talk.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it's it's definitely something is going on, and you know uh I don't care what any what anybody says but uh, not everyone who has seen something is a liar and not everyone has seen a damn weather balloon so mm-hmm. you know it's uh, this question about uh, you know uh, whom to believe or whom not to believe of course the question the question exists because you know um, uh, many people they've just, make up stories for, for attention and things like that, but to, but to label everyone who has had a UFO encounter, whether it is, you know, no matter what type of an encounter, that all of them um, have invented those stories, I hardly, hardly doubt that because, you know, there are attorneys, medical doctors, pilots, yeah. astronauts even, who have come forward to say we have seen something, some even having been personally abducted, who are we to say that all these stories are fake or that all these stories are, uh, you know, uh, uh, secret, military, uh, secret military stuff? Can we just forget it?
2: Yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. I, I have and something thing I, want I want to talk
3: to uh, you. Go ahead. Sure. Oh, well, the other thing I briefly wanted to mention is that, you know, about these studies of the future regarding what would extraterrestrial – um, extraterrestrial visitation, what impact would it have on religion? And my answer to that is, is is very simple. Religion can go on, because if one were to follow the true path of each and every religion there is, which correct me if I'm wrong, uh, which is love, then, you know, what's wrong with with, with continuing this idea of love and, and loving thy neighbor as he would love yourself? So, you see, I think this whole extraterrestrial question is very much compatible with religion, even though, For all intents and purposes, the reason why we have religions today in their organized sense is because due to a misunderstood extraterrestrial visit in a remote past, but still, because here's the thing. In my opinion, even extraterrestrials have religious questions. They have questions about life and death, or unless you have become one as an ethereal conscious being, uh, and you're one with the universe, yeah, then maybe you know, but, you know, until <laughs> then, even extraterrestrials have questions like us, because I'm always uh, accused that, um, or not accused, but but uh, mocked by saying, oh, so if you suggest that we've had help from aliens in the past, uh, you know, chuckle, chuckle, uh, did, did the aliens who helped them, aliens also, chuckle, chuckle? Uh, and the answer is yes, of course. This game has played out for, for, for tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, and perhaps even millions of years throughout mm. our galaxy. And yeah. if you then, you know, uh, arrive at the very beginning of this game of, uh, you know, intergalactic uh, seeding, well, however or wherever it started, if there ever was a beginning, then that could be conceived as God. But that's you above everything, you see? So, yeah. so you don't have to lose your belief in God at all if you entertain or subscribe uh, to the ancient astronaut question. It's, it's just all so bizarre, this, this misconception that you know, if, if you subscribe to, to aliens, be, you're an atheist. I think it's just the opposite,
2: <laughs> That's, that's a real interesting theory. Uh, religion is a. And by, and by
3: saying religion. that, I want to be clear that I'm not in any way, shape, or form suggesting that one should worship aliens. No, that's yeah. not the point either. On the contrary, we should never bow down if and when they come back.
2: Interesting. That's fascinating. You know, you mentioned uh, tens of thousands, perhaps millions of years ago, this has been, in a, you know. Exchanging of technology, exchanging of information, and we recently had uh, a scientist on our program. Uh, he's a fusion scientist. His name is jo- uh, Dr. John Brandenburg. In this sure, is I know the,
3: Dr. John. Yes,
2: yeah, absolutely.
3: So he, he's the he expert on Mars, and I actually shot an interview with him. Uh, for In Search of Aliens and what a wealth of knowledge that man has but sorry to interrupt, go on. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: I'm glad that you're, 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 uh, you're, you're piping up about that because he presented a paper about a year ago where he uh, analyzed and discovered that two massive m- nuclear bombs were exploded over the planet uh, Mars basically rendering the complete surface of the planet in- uninhabitable and possibly punching a hole in the atmosphere which basically killed the planet. But the point I, w- I wanted to make is there has been a number of, of studies and a number of photographs of what appears to be pyramids, sphinx-like structures on Mars. We know the whole Cydonia region has uh, of course the face and, and, and he has discovered south of there the ellipsis uh, pyramids. The thing that's I find fascinating is that I I'm wondering if there was an influence there if the if the the people living on Mars came to Earth who were pre dynastic Egyptians and and may have uh, spawned the whole multiple dynasties because I mean and 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 he's predicting uh, actually he shows with great evidence these bombs were exploded up, you know millions of years ago. So that talks about a race that's millions of years ago. I mean, it's just mind-blowing what he found out.
3: It is exactly the way you say it. It's It's mind-blowing. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it goes back to what, what Michael Cremo uh, uh, refers to as extreme antiquity. And so all of a sudden, if you have this new scientific report dating or, or suggesting that Uh, It is possible that uh, atomic bombs were somehow deployed on Mars millions of years ago. All of a sudden, these stories of extreme antiquity that one can find in the Mahabharata, for example, or the texts that Michael Cremo is familiar with that speak of where he himself has re- referenced these texts in his book that he wrote with Richard Thompson called Forbidden Archaeology. If you haven't mm-hmm. read that book, go get it. Also, oh, yeah. there's a shorter version called uh, The Hidden uh, History of the Human Race. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the abri- abbreviated version of uh, Forbidden Archaeology because I think Forbidden Archaeology is like a thousand pages or something. It's, <laughs> it's a, a monster. Yeah, um, it's a monster. But Michael Cremo has always, um, he's always been advocate and a huge supporter of extreme antiquity occurrences within our solar system, especially on Earth, obviously. However, I have always thought that if there was contact, that you know, those visitors came from outside of our own solar system. But hmm. over the past four or five years, because at the beginning of the interview, you asked me the question, how have things evolved and things like that? So guess what? I, too, am a student. I, too, can learn. I, too, wonder every day still. And so, by being exposed and being involved with ancient aliens, the idea that at some point, Mars was the Earth. And, you know, then, because due to a cataclysm or due to um, uh, some kind of a war, we had to, or they had to... Uh, leave Mars and colonize the earth to ensure their survival and Mm -hmm. combining that with ancient stories that speak of these things, uh, then, you know, I, my ears are open. I listen. I, I, you know, I, I think it's highly fascinating to wonder whether or not we are the Martians. And then you have to wonder, you know, how long has this game been going back and forth? I mean, the other day, um, you know, we were just uh, interviewing for a a new episode in which we explored, uh, you know, the whole idea of our moon, uh, that uh, the moon in its present form is a giant mystery. There should be, uh, these questions should be on the front page of the New York Times, but they're not, where you know, these, these two Soviet scientists have, uh, their astronomers, they have pretty much proven that the only way that the moon can be uh, in, uh, in orbit around our Earth is if someone placed the moon there. Which means mm-hmm. that the moon was brought here artificially. And perhaps the entire moon itself is an artificial object. I mm-hmm. mean... These are all crazy, crazy ideas, but you you know, you read them and all you have to do is you have to keep an open mind and whether or not these things turn out to be true in the end, at least you explored it because to me, life is about exploration. It is the idea Mm -hmm. of exploring and then, hey, if it turns out to be the way it is, great. If not, hey, move on.
2: (laughs) That's amazing. You mentioned that moon. Uh, uh, there was, uh, I think it's a Soviet scientist who believes uh, and has anal- analyzed the Phobos two moon on Mars is completely artificial, completely artificial. Correct. And yet we just don't hear anything about it because if it's true, that's going to blow everyone's mind t- to smithereens and uh, they're going to they're going to wonder who was sophisticated enough to build a planetary size ship, basically uh, that's orbiting Mars.
3: <laughs> it's crazy, right? And and you know and, and, and so right there. And what better place? You see, uh, yes, of course, I advocate for the search for extraterrestrial intelligence here on Earth. However, you know there is there is a scientific research branch. That With a handful of professors worldwide, not SETI, but SETA, Search for Extraterrestrial Artifacts. Now, Hmm. like I said, I look for this stuff for artifacts and and, and evidence here on Earth. The the, the SETA scientists, even though I've written to them and spoken to them multiple times that they should expand their search on Earth as well, they're only looking for evidence within our solar system off-planet, meaning anywhere else, but Earth. Um, and so, you know, Phobos is very interesting because it would be a perfect thing uh, or object with which to observe the Earth. Or there are these points where you could place a probe uh, inside what's called a Lagrange points, And the Lagrange points are uh, insofar important because. Uh, there's no um, gravitational pull that is exerted upon these points. And so you can place something there and it would just stay there. So those those Lagrange points are all known within our solar system. So, you know, one idea was to, once we have the capability to, have a, a spaceship go to these different Lagrange points to see if maybe some artificial objects are parked there to see if we're being observed. But, you know, those are all things that are, we're still, uh, you know, I think we're a couple of years away from being able to do that.
2: <laughs> Interesting. I got a couple more questions and then we'll be in our program here. We're running out of time. It's fantastic. Uh, and I, I don't know if you have covered this, but I am constantly getting information on these uh, objects that were found uh, in Mexico. Um, They're carvings, they're figurines, and they portray what looks to be aliens with slanted eyes. Uh, There's uh, uh, a number of um, pieces that have saucers in them uh, depicted, and there's a couple that have uh, ships that are shooting rays out at the various objects and this, this, this information has been going on for about five or six years. Uh, it, it was, there was rumor that the Mexican government was going to claim that these are the proof of uh, ancient aliens in Mexico. And this has been going back and forth and back and forth. I, I'm on the fence with it. Um, but I was just curious what you thought about those. those I mean, because we're talking hundreds of these artifacts now.
3: Right. I know which artifacts you're referring to, and I, too, am on the fence. And I say this simply because of, uh, you know, I, I have come in contact with um, many uh, ancient artifacts all around the world. And there's a certain look to ancient artifacts that I've grown yeah. to be familiar with. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that you're referring to is... It's too shiny. It's too greasy looking. So it's not, yeah. it doesn't look authentic or old to me, even though I, on the record, I do not know whether uh, these things are authentic. And I have also not seen uh, any scientific testing because, you know, for example, we know now for a fact that many of the the, the Ica stones that were or are displayed at the Cabrera Museum in, Paracas uh, in um, Ica, Peru, mm-hmm. not Paracas, it's outside, but in Ica, yeah. Peru, that, that some of those stones are, in fact, modern forgeries. But that is only half of the story. The other mm-hmm. stones, uh, some have been tested, and the patina, the, the, the layer, the oxidized layer that was found on the on the, uh, the surface of some of these stones indicate uh, a high age of at least 500 to 800 years old. Um, mm-hmm. So you have you know, carvings or stones like that with, with bizarre uh, carvings on them. Well, then you have to wonder what's going on because you know, there are many carvings and figurines And objects around the world that, in my opinion, are old, ancient, that do look like the stuff that you're talking about, but they have been authenticated as being old, and in those cases, I have no problem in pointing to those uh, different pieces and say, yep, that right there could be... An astronaut, as it was witnessed by our ancestors, and of course, and I'm always asked, well, how how come uh, those ancient astronauts wore the same type of bulky suits that with which that, that we are familiar with today, and things like that? And uh, you know, I mean, I don't know, because we don't go to space naked either. You know, so <laughs> yeah,
2: you know this right. idea
3: that, that just because they're extraterrestrials that they can walk around or saunter around naked, that makes no sense. Because I think the, see, the, the 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 laws of biology, in my opinion, uh, apply throughout the universe, and while there may be. Uh, You know, uh, intelligence somewhere. You know, uh, walking upright lobsters made out of cardboard. You know, uh, maybe that exists somewhere in the universe. I don't know, but that's not the extraterrestrial life I'm interested in. What I want, what I see, I think that when the hatch opens and they come out, we'll be looking at ourselves, and that will be the biggest reveal in the history of mankind. That, uh, you know, it's not going to be, in my opinion, how what, what they portray, which, look, it's, it's a funny, uh, you know, cool action oriented idea. And, you know, the whole Hollywood thing of aliens. Yeah. But I think, like I said, when the hatch opens, if there is a hatch, um, then we'll be looking at, at ourselves in the mirror.
2: That's that's pretty uh, <laughs> pretty cool to to consider. Hey, the last question I have for you is that uh, presidential hopeful Hillary Clinton recently said that uh, Earth may already have been visited, and uh, she promises to get to the bottom of the alien uh, controversy. We we've had other presidents uh, talk about this. Jimmy Carter promised that he would get in, out uh, and uh, uh, open up the files. For uh, evidence of, of contact of uh, any kind of um, uh, technology exchange, what, what do you think about our government uh, and, and having Clinton uh, if she is elected president to open some of these uh, vaulted doors
3: no that would be that would be uh, fantastic if uh, if that could happen. what's also interesting is that uh, Podesta just the other day, I think it was on um, Friday or Saturday said that he thinks that the American public could handle the truth about extraterrestrials. And and I wholeheartedly agree with him because, you know, see, this is why I think that there is this, we are at this bizarre crossroads at the moment where, you know, and, and we already talked about this a few minutes ago, but, you know, 20 years ago, the planet may have broken out in panic had they shown up. Today, it's different, in my opinion, even though, you know, we cannot forget that there are certain parts of this world where, you know, people still go to witch doctors. Um, and so imagine uh, cultures where being told that, hey, extraterrestrials just descended from the sky. I mean, that would all be overwhelming for a lot of people and of course also for the religious people um, because how will they react and this is why we addressed this, this issue earlier I think mm-hmm. even people from the church and, and that's why I think it was a very calculated and deliberate move by the Vatican to suggest that it's okay if extraterrestrial life exists now, why mm-hmm. would they do that this is a This is a position that has remained unchanged for hundreds of years, and all of a sudden they're changing that opinion. Mm. I think it's highly fascinating <laughs>
2: <laughs> Giorgio It's been a pleasure uh, I uh, really appreciate your insight and hey, you know uh much success with ancient aliens i uh, it's going strong, and you know another ten years maybe huh I mean. All you got to do is keep working and, and writing uh, dynamite topics, and, and away you go. I mean, there's so well, much. Let me tell out you,
3: the, the, the only reason why, why we're on the air is because of the countless fans, yeah, and you guys have made the show what it is. And I really appreciate all the love. And yes, I mean, if uh, if, if there's more we can talk about, we'll, we'll talk about it.
2: Fantastic! Hey, uh, continued success. Appreciate it.
3: Thank you so much.
1: Hey, as we conclude the year, I want to remind you that uh, you should be thinking about yourself. Uh, not that you're going to be selfish if you uh, you know, give yourself uh, an appreciation for dealing with 2022, 2021, and 2020. And I'm talking about the pandemic. I'm also talking about giving you giving yourself an amazing gift of a trip with the Earth Ancients tour. That can be Egypt, which is May 2nd to the 14th, or Mexico with Dr. Edwin Bernard, which is November 10th through the 17th. Both of these are fabulous tours. Uh, they are in uh, wonderful areas. You get to interact with ancient sites, temples, pyramids, buildings, artifacts, museums. For more information... Go to earthancients.com forward slash tours. The big one that's coming up is the Egypt tour, May 2nd through the 14th, 2023. And the reason this is so great is that it's very, very reasonable. And it's a basic private tour. You don't have to interact with the public at all. We, we uh, have a private bus. We are on the plane for a little bit to go between Cairo and Aswan, where the Aswan quarries are. And there's a lot of other sites around that area. It is a fabulous tour. It's very reasonable. Everything's covered. And we always say on that tour, we treat you like a diplomat because uh, you are uh, escorted privately to these locations. The food is fabulous. The rooms are fabulous. And the Nile cruise is out of this world. For more information, go to earthancients.com forward slash tours. Check it out. Be a part of it. And uh, give yourself a gift. You really deserve a gift after all this headache we've gone through the last few years. And uh, you'll enjoy it. If you have any questions whatsoever, danny at gmail.com. And I'll answer as many as I can. All right, that's it for this edition. Uh, The next uh, Earth Ancient Special Edition. The archives will be in January 2023. Uh, I hope you're been enjoying the archives. i I'll tell you, I've been enjoying them simply because I forgot <laughs> about that interview with Giorgio, but i I typically, you know, when it's been six, seven, even eight years that I did an interview, I might remember vaguely who it was, but listening to the details, you know, I don't have a photographic memory, so <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> uh, it's uh, uh it's fun to hear exactly what happened during the interaction. So I hope you enjoyed that too. As always, I want to thank my guests, uh, Giorgio Sacoulos, uh from Ancient Aliens, and our staff and team of Ruth Thomas, Mark Foster, and everyone makes the, who makes the show happen. You guys rock, and I very much appreciate you. And uh, we're all looking forward to 2023. Stay tuned for... A real amazing lineup of speakers on Earth Ancients and, of course, Destiny. And we'll sprinkle in a few special editions from the archives uh, every month, every few months, kind of sweeten things up. But our Earth Ancients uh, lineup continues to be phenomenal, continues to be eye-opening. And our goal is to present and provide you with the movers and shakers, the scientists, the uh, research investigators and best-selling authors who are shaking things up, really showing us where we have come from, who our ancestors were. That's a big one for me. Who were our ancestors? You know, if you, if you happen to catch uh, Michael Cremo, he gave us a sense of who Homo sapiens sapiens are. We didn't get into, because it's not his specialty, we didn't get into how they developed, and who they eventually became. The the term Atlantis, Lemuria, Mu, these very, very ancient sites, very, very ancient uh, continents uh, were not mentioned. But when we talk about these early humans, these pre-Diluvian, pre-flood people, there's something special about them that's beginning to be clarified. And uh, this is what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the discovery of our ancestors, and uh, you can you can follow along. Uh, I should say I hope you follow along with us in 2023 to learn exactly what this uh, these people who who, uh, who were walking the earth, who they were, what they were about, and what they left us as a reminder of their civilization and culture. So look forward to, and uh, expect. Fantastic interviews, data, and revelations on Earth Ancients 2023. All right, take care, be well, and Happy New Year's to you.